was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 14th, 2008. For the newcomers, look into the website I have put up there, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and to download lots of different tops or topics on relevant subjects to do with this great old New World Order uh, that's all around us right now. And I try and explain how we got to this stage, because it wasn't by chance. Look into alanwattsentientcentinel.eu, we can download transcripts in the various tongues of Europe, print them up and pass them around to your friends. As we, as I say, we go into this great new world order, it's done by stealth and massive planning, planning at the top military level, this strategy is incredible because we have people who literally plan generations down the road to bring us all into a system they want to see appear. Something they've planned and, and prayed for, you might say, for a long, long time. A, a brave new world scenario where only a few of the elite, after all, that's all that matters, really, the elite themselves, as far as they're concerned, they truly believe they're the most evolved and they've proven by their Darwinian socialist standards that they've kept on to wealth and gathered more wealth and power down through generations. Uh, that's the testing part for that. And they believe that they've accomplished this for themselves. And what's left at the bottom are all the old working classes for a system that's now become obsolete. We're in a service economy now. But part of the managerial system to manage us through this change as a new feudal system, as Professor Carl quickly talked about. And we have interlocking CEOs of massive international corporations, all working with higher departments of governments. And by higher, I mean the ones, the high bureaucrats, and their, their, their various levels, which are unelected by the people. And they're there all the time, regardless of who gets voted in or not. The bureaucracies stay put, and they work towards the agenda. It's very, very simple. It's been happening our whole lives long. It was happening for your parents' lives and your grandparents' lives too. And it's just, as I say, done by stealth. They don't come out and tell you, oh, by the way, we're going to turn the system upside down because you're all obsolete. No. They, they bring it down through, through various means. Economic, of course, being the big one, big clout. And we see that happening now with the carbon taxes and the massive increase in oil, because the idea is to drive us all off of the roads into the big cities, overcrowded cities for the masses of people, whereas the bureaucratic elite and the CEOs will have their nice, beautiful villages, brand new villages. You can see on, them on the internet are for sale, these new eco-villages, and that's where they'll live, where they're not crowded together with all high-tech everything and solar panels, etc. 
But for the rest of us, during this particular phase, we'll all get crowded into the massive cities where it'll become a hell, a hell on earth. Very much like what you saw in the movie uh, that Charlton Heston was in, Silent Green. That's the whole agenda. And many of the science fiction writers have written about this scenario beginning around the 1950s onwards because they knew also it was coming because they get their plans. They get little bits of the plan from the futurist society where they get their ideas for stories. It's up to them then to put in stories and get it through your head to familiarize yourself with the idea. Predictive programming. Back with more after the following messages. through the matrix I'm going to give myself the plug now the shameless plug that I do once in a blue moon when I remember because I need you to keep me going and I make the money solely through selling the materials on the website that I do myself and you can also help donate as well it keeps me up and running because this is more than just a full time job this is a job of four or five people that's going on here and it gets, you run pretty ragged, and it doesn't help when uh, the money dries up. And I know it's getting tight out there. It's going to get a lot tighter as the whole agenda steamrolls ahead and the gasoline prices go up. We've all heard, of course, about, oh, China needs a more of a demand for gasoline. Well, look into the prices of selling it to the Chinese. The same companies that sell it here look into how much they're selling it to the Chinese for. That's not the problem at all. The problem is simply that they want us now off the roads and into the big cities. Look at Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century at the United Nations. You can get it from them too. You can either look into their website or ask them and they'll send it to you, a booklet. Fascinating because the whole 100 years, next 100 years, 200 years is already planned out. It's already planned out, and it's a step-by-step process to get us into cities, and then through science and various other means, they'll bring down the populations into sustainable levels. And that's what it's all about. That's what's really happening with the gasoline and the carbon taxes and all the rest of it that was signed at the Kyoto conference that everyone thought never applied to them. Well, now you're seeing that it does. It's all a scam to get more and more money to the United Nations as they build it up as the front for world government. And that's what it is. It's a big, big front. Everybody's hand-picked by higher agencies above them that works in the United Nations. Look at the bureaucrats who work there. They're intergenerational bureaucrats. They intermarry each other. They have their own school for their own children. They get a completely different education than the average person outside. And when you hear the bureaucrats of the United Nations speak, they speak with authority. They don't speak to you like a politician would speak, dodging round issues and smiling and joking. They dictate to you. And that's the kind of government that's coming down the pike rather rapidly. Now I've got a caller on the line already from Montreal. It's Heather. Are you there, Heather? Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Oh, surviving under this... Uh, <laughs> The present conditions. Yeah, I have a question regarding Freemasonry. Um, 
Well, it's not a long question, actually. My um, my father was a Mason, um, but I just discovered actually just recently this week, and it was a little bit shocking. My cousin just told me my uncle, who I was fairly close to, um, was a 33rd degree um, Mason, mm-hmm. and apparently he was a district grand master of, of a particular area in Ontario, and I was a little bit... As, as you can imagine, because I've, I've been researching this and, and listening to you, and um, is, is 33rd degree, is that technically still part of the, of the lower level of masonry? or it, it's, the, it's a sort of crowning. It's, a, it's an honorary degree to get for serving the great work. Uh, so it's conferred. You don't, the other degrees you work up to and you, you learn to parrot things and, and, yeah, and recite he did. Them. She, she recalled, my cousin told me he, she remembers him studying, you know, for all these degrees at home and everything. This is, uh, I just saw her this week and I was so surprised when she said this 33rd degree was conferred on him yeah. sort of as an honorary thing and so he would be aware of this great work, would oh, yeah. he? I, yeah. yeah. You didn't know what it was and by that time too, I mean, I've talked to many Masons who've come out of it who went up high, uh, or higher levels even than that, because there's more to it than 33, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, they're into the, the start of the, the, the deeper knowledge then. But, but Masons have a hard time breaking away from it, but the ones who have and basically been deconditioned out of it uh, will always say the same thing, that they cannot believe the difference that they now feel after being deprogrammed as to and how they viewed the world as to how they view it today mm-hmm. it really does narrow your, your vision your way of thinking along a certain path and it's a form of mind control in itself where everything you're taught seems logical at the time and even the opinions you hear to do with the future and the kind of society the great society they want to bring in all seem logical at the time while they're in it but once they've broken away and had time to reflect they become afraid that they're actually involved in something like that, especially when they realize that they had no, they really did believe it at the time. Mm-hmm. Their minds were taken over. Yeah. But when my father um, passed away um, about 10 years ago, he, my uncle uh, came to the funeral, and they, they, at the time I was very grief-stricken, of course, but they did this sort of Masonic ceremony at the funeral, which yeah. I, I had no clue what this was about, all these symbols they were performing. They stood in a circle uh-huh. Um, at my dad's funeral, and uh, now in retrospect, you know, okay, I'm just sort of shocked that, that this uncle that I really loved was, yeah. you know, had reached such a a level of of this. You know, I just so I guess it goes a lot higher than this anyway. I know a lot of presidents and uh, royalty are 33rd degree from the reading I've done, but mm-hmm. anyway, yes, and even Prince Charles when he turned 45 years of age came on stage in London in front of all these peer group and the lords and all the rest of them were, were up in their finery and he gave the Masonic salute of, of squaring his arm and holding out uh, a glass of uh, wine and so on and the Duke of Kent of course is the, is the official he's basically the overseer of Freemasonry, he's the, the Queen's cousin, so it doesn't matter what branch of Masonry you, you go through it always ends up with a charter that eventually traces up its way back to, to London basically if a family member is a Mason, from what I've read, too, isn't there a sort of a, a certain... I guess they, they all band together, and there's a certain amount of protection and support to family members, I, I think, too. Well, you, the thing you, is to, you, 
they, well, they, yeah, in the low levels, not so much. They don't help each other, they're, although they still claim that they do. Mm-hmm. And they used to help uh, people in distress and so on, financial and otherwise, or even unemployed, to try and find them work. Uh, in fact, they must give preference to a Freemason uh, and work and so on. That's why they get up the ladder and they get the promotions and other people don't and can't figure it out. But um, at the lower levels, they don't help each other as much as they're supposed to financially, etc. But in the higher levels and in the noble orders, they, they, they really, really do. They close ranks and protect themselves. Yeah. There's a lot to this. Anyway, Alan, I won't keep you. Thanks, uh, thanks for everything. Yeah, thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Yeah, the ones I've talked to that have come out of it and have been deprogrammed all say that, that they see the world entirely, entirely differently than they did when they were in Freemasonry. And it scares them to think they were so far gone in this kind of strange tunnel vision where everything seemed to make sense at the time. And they did feel very elitist themselves because they belonged to this, this uh, brethren. Now, we're at Clarence in Oklahoma. Are you there, Clarence? Yes, I am, Alan. Yeah. And I just, uh, your program is, uh, I mean, way above the norm, you know, as I yeah. would say. And you give us this great information. And I'll tell you what I found out. I had, now that I've woken up, I had an aunt, my favorite aunt. I had like four of them. You know, on, on my mother's side. My favorite one was married to a fellow who was Mason. And he got, he had a successful construction business, probably because he had those connections. That's what they do at their level. He probably didn't know what was going on at the upper levels. And she didn't either, but she was also a member of a, a group called the Eastern Star. That's right, yeah. And that's their, like, auxiliary of the Masons. And a lot of people don't hear about them. But uh, after he, they divorced, uh, she left that group. Yeah. But, you know. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're, they're just at the lower level. They think they're doing the real good thing for humanity. Yeah. But uh, then suddenly they, I think some, somehow some of them find out. And they just kind of, they don't know it real consciously. They just walk away from it. Well, the problem is, one thing Freemasonry allows the public to know, and they've always done this, is that you get help in society. You get, you do get the promotions. You do get mm-hmm. the jobs. Yep. You do get. Uh, you can bypass what they call petty bureaucracy and get right to the top. You don't have to go through long waiting lines and, and bureaucrat after Just bureaucrat. like when I worked at the local airport. And, and you can also get a loan uh, the same day, verified the same day as you applied for it. Stuff like yep. that. Yeah. That's the whole deal right there, and I hope I, I, you're, you're giving the truth out to the people, and that's what's great, because there is that, I mean, I don't care if you go into the courts, the police departments. Look, well, the, the, police, the police, I know policemen, and if you go to any policeman's homes, you'll see that the, the mums generally are so proud to show you the photographs, and there's the one with the son in his uniform, uh, his, his cadet uniform of the police, and right next to it is his one and his Masonic regalia, because it's, it's pretty well mandatory to just like an insurance policy. You see, I never did that. I was a police officer, but I never did. See, I'm a joiner. I wouldn't join. That's why I never got anywhere. Yeah. You know. Well, because I, I noticed even there, there's a lodge starting up in uh, for the staff of Buckingham Palace, mm-hmm. uh, within the palace itself, and it's in the papers. You can do a, a search for it 
and they admit right there one of the main reasons that they're forming that particular lodge is so that the security guards and all the staff uh, will have even extra protection. Uh, now, it's well known they, they, they bond together, they stand up for each other, even if someone's in the wrong, and that's what they mean by that. It gives them extra protection. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just kind of like the Spitzer thing. Uh, if you're on the wrong side, they go get you. you know. That's right. And he, he bit them in the, in the butt, the safe. Well, he, he he didn't pass money somewhere. He was taking his money in, obviously, somewhere, but yeah. he wasn't passing the shoe. See, the workman must be paid his wages as the same masonry. I think Absolutely. he kept a bit too much back for himself. But thanks for calling. Thank you. We'll be back with more after the following messages. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through this very trick, tricky, should say, matrix. It's also thick and tricky and very, very deceptive because it's your whole reality. The reality that's been broadcast to you has been instilled in you through media and through your education. And as young as two years old, those who go into kindergarten even are getting tremendous indoctrinations right now. It even starts in cartoons for children around the age of two. But it's all to do with predictive programming, so they'll grow up in a world vastly different from the one that their parents did, and they'll think it's all quite natural. And that's how it all works. Now we're going to Benjamin from New York. Are you there, Benjamin? Yes, this is me. How are you? Not so bad. Um, I have a, a question regarding uh, education. Yeah. I have three children, and... Um, I'm wondering if you could point me to any authors or if you have any suggestions aside from homeschooling, how I can fight the, uh, the uh, indoctrination process. Uh, I'll tell you, it was bad enough when Bertrand Russell set up his first experimental schools. It was a model for the, for the whole world, really. And back in the 50s, he said that if we can get the children at two, he said um, any input from the parent when the child goes home will not be absorbed by the child because of scientific indoctrination. And now it's so far advanced. Uh, and I've, I know a lot of teachers. I know what's taught in the schools. And, and uh, there's a lot of hatred there. To, uh, it's, it's a matriarchal system within the school system now. It's highly feminist. And there's a lot of hate taught about men there. And uh, it'd be very hard to eradicate that once it starts. There's even young, young boys crying because they feel that they're, 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 they're getting the, the, the history of the world put on their shoulders and blamed for everything. And that's how bad it is. But I noticed there's a bill going through the U.S. Congress to, to um, prohibit homeschooling unless really? the parent themselves happens to be a qualified teacher. Okay. So they're closing the loops now. Uh, before, it was, you could teach them yourself if you followed the curriculum they gave you. Yeah. But they're trying to close that now, uh, too, and that's going through Congress right now. So are there any authors you could point to or any, uh, any ways that, that one could fight the scientific indoctrination process? It's very difficult because the child that will go for his peer group, too. Children gravitate towards their own peers, and they want to read and hear and know what they're talking about or see on television, mm -hmm. and, and that becomes a conversation. And that, that means they're already being indoctrinated by it. Uh, it's very difficult within this society, um, especially when you go back to the 70s when they said they create a common culture by using scientific means. 
and also the fact that um, all entertainment now is brought is, Hollywood is the premier that's given the right to do most of the cultural programming for the world yeah, we, whenever, whenever we watch any movies, any Disney movies or any kids movies with him I always try to point out what's going on do you see this, do you see that you know, how the uh, the characters interact with each other and how they they set up the kids against the parents. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I try my best like that, but I was hoping that you would have uh, you know some something a little bit more concrete. It's very very difficult, very difficult now to say. Uh, now there are organizations still out there that are fighting all of this, and there are organizations or associations of homeschoolers, and you really do a good searches on the webs, on the web to try and find it. Um, and go through them. Um, Charlotte Isserby also, I think, has a site on, on the, up in the net to do with homeschooling as well. Um, so there's ones out there that can give you a lot of pointers, and that's your best bet really to start with. Okay. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And best of luck. Thanks. Bye. Bye now. Yeah, it, it, how sad it is now today when it's almost like an infection that's sweeping through society and you want to protect your own children and give them the best start in life and help them to think for themselves, something that's abhorred today. In fact, individualism is, is really going to be targeted tremendously. They don't like the independent individual who has rational thinking and can use reason and logic uh, because the whole system is, is meant to, to run on, on indoctrination and a belief system, a new belief system that this new, wonderful, brave new world it's going to be wonderful for us all. Well, it's just a new religion, you see. And people who think logically won't go along with it. That's why they're going to get targeted big time. And it's a sad thing for parents, a tremendously bad time for parents to have to, to love their children and have to bring them up in a society where all of the authorities are out to get them. They don't go along with it and give control to those authorities. They want the, the mind of the child. They want that child's mind how sad that can be. Now, we've got Mo in Oregon there. Are you there, Mo? Yes, sir, Mr. Alam. How are you to, uh, tonight? Tonight, I think it's tonight. I've, my day's been a blur, so I guess it is. It's getting dark now. Yeah, I know. I, because of the three hours difference, I wish you well always. And I would like to bring to your attention, I, I don't know if you are aware of it, in Dearborn, Michigan, they, they have in the neighborhoods, they have made a mask, and then they have put the speakers up uh, in Michigan, and then at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, or 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, different times, they, they have a big prayer. It's like uh, they think that uh, USA is Saudi Arabia, and, 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 and I mean, you cannot sleep. I mean, people around the neighborhood are very mad, but, but they cannot do anything because of this, the, uh, the, you know, the, they can go through uh, the neighborhood, etc. so people are accepting it. Yeah, is this happening in Canada the same way? I don't know. I'm so far from the cities, I don't know what happens in them anymore. I, I, I did that by intent. I don't want to live near them. I know what's coming down. But uh, I presume it will spread elsewhere too. Yeah. Okay, back. Can I give me a little bit more time? More. I have another I'll be back with issue. more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi, and welcome to Cutting Through the Matrix. Because that's what we're doing here, is trying to make sense of all the, the myriad of information that's thrown at us in a, on a daily basis, most of which really is irrelevant. And even then, nothing surprises people like myself because we've watched this our whole lives long. We know what government is, and we know what governance is, and we have governance. That's where you don't have any democracy whatsoever. The government is simply the sham, the front sham of democracy. But in governance, you do what you're told. It's done by force and coercion. That's the reality of the world in which we live. And it's coming down fast. It's on a, a tremendous roll because there's a timetable involved, a timetable drawn up like any long-term business plan long ago, and they like to be on time with everything. They make it happen. They make it so, so more to be, as you say, at the higher lodges. And now we've got Dee from Michigan there. Are you there, Dee? Hello, Dee? Hey. Yes. Hi. Um, just a couple of things that have been said tonight. Um, first, I'm in Dearborn, and we don't have the calls from the minarets, and they don't keep anybody up at night. It's very quiet, so okay. your your caller was very misinformed if anybody thinks that's happening. I'm okay. a Christian. I wonder about, about But anyway, that. Yeah. I did want to address the homeschool question yeah. because um, that particular case was in California, and the laws are very different, and I know your one caller was concerned, and I'd really suggest you go and on to to John Taylor Gatto, G-A-T-T-O yeah. website. He is the Pope of homeschooling. He was um, an educator in New York, is one teacher of the year, and he has all sorts of incredible links. And as long as you don't use any of your um, taxpayer um, money in getting any of your homeschooling literature, it's very open. A lot of it has to do with what state you're in. California had the strictest laws, mm -hmm. and it was really under the wire because it was about an abuse case, and yeah. they were being homeschooled. But like states like Florida, it's open. But please let him know. John Taylor Gatto would be the perfect site to go. And he's a website up there. Right? Yeah, he does, and I think it's just JohnTaylorGatto.com. And he was um, in the New York public school system forever, and he became a whistleblower. And he's every homeschooler's idol. I know that because my friend homeschools. Yeah, I know uh, people have read his book. And, yeah, uh, the dumbing down of America, and then yeah. Charlotte Isabel wrote the deliberate dumbing down of America. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that he can give her um, get a lot of information from there. Yeah, it's a great thing, and I know my friend's son loves it. Yes. Yes, it's a hard, hard time for parents now trying to keep uh, the one thing that's precious to you uh, and keep them sane and rational and logical and, and rather than see them being turned over to a system that takes their mind over completely. I watched a program on television last week uh, for the CBC Canada about the greening and all the rest of it and the woman on whose child was coming home brainwashed with the greening stuff and, and, and the mum was picking it all up and parting the child. So the child was literally indoctrinating the parents. Well, there was a story on, I believe it was um, AP with the homeschooling. And even in the article, it was saying um, that the system quoted someone, um, one of the people regarding the court case, a primary purpose of education system is to train school children in good citizenship, mm -hmm. patriotism, and loyalty to the state and the nation as a means of protecting the public welfare. Oh, no, that's what the judge wrote, quoting for a 1961 case. So nothing to do with education. 
It was the same thing. If you, if you read, read the speeches of uh, Daniel Webster in the 1800s, you'll find pretty well the same thing being said by him at uh, a, a meeting in Washington, D.C. He said the same thing. He said the purpose of education is to bring up um, an obedient society to the state. Charlotte Iserbet, I think, I'm not sure if it's a subscription only, but she has a lot of PDF files that she got from Freedom of Information Act. And she was with the Reagan administration, and she lived and breathed Ronald Reagan. She had no idea what she was getting into. She took an appointment within the Department of Education during his administration. And she said, lucky that she didn't know what she was getting into because she wouldn't have accepted the job. But when she got there, she saw all of these documents, and she... And I think she even smuggled some of them out. But I think the one that really um, I've heard her talk um, that turned her around, it was like something like the Carnegie Soviet Education Pact, which proved through the foundations, the Carnegie Foundation, that we were uh, mirroring our educational system towards that. And um, that's when she became a whistleblower. And yeah, it came out, too, in the Rees Commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, she it was, Yeah, it was set it. out to do from Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Uh, Dodds was, Senator Dodds was sent out and he spoke to the, the leaders, the CEOs of the Carnegie and Ford Foundation and they told him that their function was to change culture and society in such a way that they'd blend the U.S. Uh, system effortlessly with that of the Soviet Union. And if you go back even further and, and read the memoirs of FDR's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, and her, her book on returning from Russia, her visit, she said that she met her hero, Pavlov, who introduced all the indoctrination techniques in school and how it says that the children on their way to school show no signs of um, uh, fun or unhappiness. He says, but they're so well behaved, and that's the system she wanted to bring back in, in, into the United States with her. This is an old agenda, as I say, and oh, it's exactly. been implemented perfectly well. Google Video has the um, interview with Norman Dodd while he was living, and I'd strongly suggest everybody listening to it because he, this, well, how many years ago was it, from the 20s or 30s? I don't recall. I know it was quite a bit um, way when he was involved in the investigation, and um, so they were able to interview him before he passed away, and it's, it's eye-opening to see yes. how it's worked. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It shows you that we're living... Uh, and, and plans that are drawn up and, and worked out over a hundred years or more. Oh, at least. But yeah. well, thanks again. And I just did want to let that one um, uh, listener know about the homeschooling. So yes. thanks for your time, and um, thanks for all the work you do. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. And it's good to need to know that you can sleep well in Michigan too. Uh, now we've got uh, Andrew from. Uh, uh, where are you from, yeah, Andrew? Hi, Alan. I. Um, uh, one of your callers recently brought up the uh, protocols of the elders of Zion, mm-hmm. and um, I was doing a little bit of research, and it looks like I guess a lot of it was plagiarized from some Frenchman who had right. written a piece that was, I guess, critical of, I think it was Louis Napoleon, if I remember correctly. But um, it, I guess, you know, I've, I've looked through it, and, I mean, it does seem to kind of have a pretty detailed and, you know, accurate account of how, a group of elites might establish, you know, control over society. So I was, I was really just curious what your uh, take on it was. And there's no doubt the agenda was in there. <clears throat> and it was essentially written as a di- in a form of a dialogue in its first form in, in French. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it was copied after the dialogue that Plato would use, for instance, with two people t- discussing something. Then it changed mm-hmm. it into took many points and put it into the protocols 
And we do know uh, that there were, there were already Freemasonry that was heavily involved uh, within Russia prior to the revolution. In fact, the mm-hmm. Tsar had cracked down mightily. And, but one of the biggest giveaways is in every second line, you see there's a particular technique that's used by authors that want you to come away with a spin or an implant in your mind, and that simple repetition of the same thing over and over. And mm-hmm. every second or third line you'll say, we Jews should do this, we Jews should do that. Um, and I've told people, if I was going to take the world over by, by a bunch of Scotsmen, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to keep repeating to them, we Scotsmen will do this and we Scotsmen <laughs> will do that. It's a bit right, obvious, right. you see. Um, sure. But there's no doubt about it. We know that theosophists were heavily involved in all the revolutions. Blavatsky wrote about that herself. And we know that the Rosicrucians and uh, Freemasonry have been behind all the big revolutions. So there's no doubt there's a lot to that. And plus, when you read the histories, what's really fascinating too, and now the Royal Institute for International Affairs did set up the Young Turks group. Uh, and it was a young Turk who actually went in and blew up the Archduke Ferdinand in World War One, And uh, they were revolutionary movements to change the world into this global society. But they had young Italians too, under Mazzini and Garibaldi and others, but they also had the Young Zionist League, and the Young Zionist League were all Freemasons. Uh, 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 when you become a high Mason, you throw all your old religion out the window, and you believe in this new religion. So they did use Zionism to a great extent within Russia, but they used it on both sides, which is typical because they, the chief of police that was persecuting a lot of the groups in the, the Pale of Settlement in Russia uh, was actually a Jew himself. So the whole idea was to persecute Jews to get them to rebel. And he was a Jew persecuting them because he was a high Freemason himself. So it gets very thick once you're into the spook uh, scenario with, with the secret organizations. And that, that's typical Marxist. You must get the people to rebel by persecuting them. So they even used Freemasons uh, as chief of police to do the persecuting to make the folk rebel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, well, I appreciate uh, you, you telling me about that. I mean, it... it Kind of one of the things that have always been. Uh... We also know too that Bernard Baruch, who uh-huh. was a top, top banker in the U.S., uh, did a deal with Japan. Uh, Japan didn't know where to get money. They went over to the states. You'll find it in a book called. It's written by a rabbi, uh, Tokayer, a Japanese rabbi who lives in New York now. And it was the history between who funded Japan to bring them up to the to the warlike capacities. And Baruch, who was a great friend of Winston Churchill, uh, was the first one to get the big bankers together to get loans to Japan on condition that they attack Russia. And it was the, it was the beginning, it was an attack on Russia that caused the massive taxation in Russia that caused all the unrest that helped to bolster the start of the, of the Russian Revolution. So it was all tied together, you know. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for calling. So, yeah, we do have a, a, a murky world out there where you have to dig into things to get the, the deeper stories. And it doesn't matter, as I say, which group you think you belong to, or especially the ones above you. If you, if you affiliate with them or you think they stand or speak for you, you'll generally find that they actually belong to a, 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 another organization altogether, totally elitist, and they're all the same. But that's how Russia got into the war. They were so taxed, they were losing so many men. And they had the, the first revolution in 1905, brought on by the, 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 it was a, the Japanese-Russian War. 
that was created on behalf of Mr. Baruch in the U.S. and his friends, Winston Churchill and others. That's how deep it is. Now we have Andrew in New York City. Are you there, Andrew? Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm good. Um, getting back to your uh, your discussion about the educational system and the uh, deliberate dumbing down, um, I had read, and I just want to see if you if you could confirm this as being true, that uh, when the Prussians were defeated um, by Napoleon, mm-hmm. the Battle of Jena in 1806. The Prussians decided that they, the reason they had lost the battle was that their soldiers were thinking too much for themselves mm-hmm. and that they completely restructured their educational system to basically turn them more into, uh, more uh, into automatons or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that the Prussian educational system was imported into the United States and spread across Europe. Mm-hmm. There's even more to it. You'll find all the royalty of, of Europe traced it back to Prussia, all the lineages, and um, they were the first ones to try and put in the scientific uh, indoctrinations in school. You're quite correct with that. Uh, Germany, the greater Germany, became the, the most advanced science, uh, scientific country really in Europe, uh, way ahead of everyone else. And the whole idea was to demote the old religions and give scientific indoctrinations. And they, they used the School of Frankfurt and others for their indoctrinations. And it was out of there that all these big teachers like Dewey, John Dewey, and other ones were sent out from after getting this particular method of training the children. And they came to the U.S. and to Britain and other countries were brought in by the elites of those countries to implement these particular mm-hmm. systems. And it, it truly is a scientific indoctrination. And... Um, People like Bertrand Russell and other ones worked heavily with these people to introduce uh, the experimental schools, as they called them. And the whole idea was to break the bonding of uh, the old traditional ways, the bonding of the parents too, and, and so the state would become the master as we see it today. The state becomes, when there's no, when there's no uh, father or mother uh, with authority over the child, the child craves authority, and they knew this back in Prussia, and therefore, they'll get their total allegiance to the, to the ones they respect, and that's generally the teachers or the teaching system or the ones that bring them in, take them out camping and all the rest of it. That's why they brought the, the boy, boys' brigades and scouts and all that, same sort of idea. Um, even the Hitler Youth took off from that idea, and with the same thing in Britain with the army cadets. You, when the, the parents lose respect, the child craves more, um, and they want a role model, and so the role model becomes the, the leader of the group, that they, they, they now belong to. It's an old technique. Children right, and then the, yeah. right, and the United Nations, of course, with their childhood uh, um, child rights laws, yeah. basically <clears throat> encourage children to um, not listen to their parents, tell them they have legal rights not to listen to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and in California, that, I mean, California, there's a saying in, in Europe, an old, old saying, they used to say that every every social cancer they used to call it cancer uh, starts off in California and spreads <laughs> across the planet because of the most uh, trendy new age group that ever existed it's the seat of the new age you might call it 
and everything to do with the greening. It's an old religion. This is a religion with greening in nature, all part of it. All starts there. And as you say, the pretense rights of the child, which means really that the parents end up having no rights with the child at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, was the um, Esalen Institute in yeah. California part of that? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All, the, all these particular agencies and institutions work together. They're networking. And uh, they started off, of course, with uh, you can change reality. You can change reality by breaking the bonds that you've been trained to, 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 to use. And uh, they use the human potential movement uh, where you, you know, they'd even send groups of people from corporations and you'd fall backwards and they'd catch you. And this, the whole idea was to make you stop being reliant upon yourself and have, uh, be part of a team, have faith in the team. That was all part of it, too. But it goes higher than that, and you end up uh, into the, the religion part of it. And it's a real religion. It's the religion that denies there, there's any religion that's valid. But it's the religion in itself. And it's the most intolerant one of all, and that's what's taken over. And it's called, technically, the New Age movement. Now they simply call it spirituality. It has no tolerance for anyone with any other opinion. And uh, that's the one that's been authorized to take over and become the religion of the world. Okay. Well, thank you, um, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling. Okay. Yep, so many groups out there, all with the human potential, how you can improve yourself and find hidden powers and strengths and spirituality and become a god eventually if you just do all these things like we tell you. Back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And we have Chuck from California on the line. Are you there, Chuck? Hey, Alan. How you doing? Not so bad. Hey, listen, um, I was looking at some of those eco-villages you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And I was just kind of looking at a bunch of them. It looks like a bunch of hippies and stuff living on there, you know, kumbaya-type people. Uh-huh. Do you think that when the, you know whatever happens, happens, they're going to let those people live and sustain there, or are they going to run them off with machine guns? Oh, they'll be, guns? they'll be off. I've seen, I've seen the ones that are for sale, and these things are very, very, very expensive. Uh, we above the hippies' uh, incomes, and uh, these are protected villages. They'll have their own security systems, guards, all the rest of it, and uh, an area even with barbed wire, I'm sure, to keep the local peasantry out. And what about these... What about the ones that have their own gardening, organic gardening? Are they going to run them off, or are they going to let them be in peace? They'll get left for a while. Eventually, everything comes under this new world order, everything. Yeah. Especially anything to do with being independent for anything you need for living. And so eventually, gardening will be forbidden. I have no doubt on that at all. In fact, if you look at um, Monsanto and all the big boys up there, EDM and so on, uh, they're patenting all the, the seeds, and now they're going to start coming out if you're using what they claim as, as their seed, even though the, it's been in, people have had it for generations and never thought about patenting. No, no one would ever think of it, except these shysters. Um, they now own those things, so you'll have to pay them a right to grow stuff in your garden because you're using 
something they have the patent over, even though they didn't create it or, or, or and even invent or even splice the old genes together. Um, it, it was done centuries ago, but no one had ever thought of putting a patent on them. So they're, they're, they will be going after people shortly for this very thing. No, I wonder how long it's going to take till there's a revolution and we take our world back from this scum, huh? Well, I think Brzezinski is right because they've studied humanity long enough. And he said that this is the people, well, they're rebellious. He says, what do, what do I think of the people? He says, well, you can beat them to death. You can starve them. He says, and do they rebel? He says, no, they just turn around and eat their dead. That's what he thinks of the people. So, Bottom unfortunately... Line. Unfortunately, it's true. It's not until people's backs are against the wall. Then you've got an unorganized rabble that's easily dealt with by trained um, uh, armies and so on. That's what rapid deployment forces are all about, is for getting into these areas. Uh, that's yeah. when after highways and all these things will be used for uh, 50, 60 years down the road to, to, to move equipment and men fast to troubled areas. Uh, so, How long do you think we have till? we're totally under the gun I mean with the economy crashing and everything yeah. Yeah. next year or this summer or what? This summer is going to be one ride downwards as far as uh, the economy because everything that's transported by diesel or gasoline or whatever is, is using fuel and the fuel is going to go through the roof and might even double we've been told that in Canada and therefore everything that you buy from the stores, everything that's brought to them is going to go through the roof yeah. And that's all by Rockefeller's design, huh? Rockefeller and all the rest, the big clique at the top. It's international. It's an international movement. Um, and it's centered from London, too, this brave new world uh, that, that was written in the 1500s about. Uh, we're living through the big changes. It doesn't sound good. No, it's not good, no. All right, Very, thank you. Thanks for calling. Great testing times for all of us. Go to hang in there and be strong. For myself and Hamish in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.